1: I love you too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Love Fest is over. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Tuesday, <laughs> November 15th this is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. Chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, Chicagoreader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can, Chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarovsky. J O R A V is in victory, S K Y. It is Tuesday, November 15th, and this is The Ben Jarovsky Show. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky.
3: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Right Flank Tuesday, and here's why. I'll tell you why, ladies and gentlemen. I read a a very funny uh, article in the New York Times today, this morning, as I was preparing for the show. Actually, I spent most of my day, most of my morning uh, preparing for this show by preparing for other shows, which is really schizophrenic and weird. It was a cry for help on my part. Uh, I spent about three hours this morning talking about things I'm not even going to talk about on today's show. How about that, Dee? Uh, But anyway, so this article in The New York Times is about Kevin McCarthy pushing for support in his bid to be Speaker of the GOP, uh, and the GOP is having a feud. Kevin McCarthy, of course, is the uh, congressman from Southern California. It never rains in Southern California, and he is a congressman from California, uh, and he wants to be the head. Of the Republican Party as they move on, uh, presumably to uh, take control of Congress right now. Uh, all the experts, the same experts who predicted it would be a, blue, a red wave, I might add, are predicting. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's too funny. What, ladies and gentlemen, it's the, these same people were predicting that it'd be a red wave. And you were going along with it. Now they're predicting that the Republicans will take control of Congress and you're still going along with it. Why do you listen to the experts? They kind of remind me of every football expert in the city of Chicago predicted the Patriots would beat the bears a couple of weeks ago. Remember that every expert. And then they were wrong. And then after they were wrong, they never once like took a moment to say, you know, I really screwed it up with my prediction last week. They always like they found they like started blaming on a Bill Belichick, the coach of New England, like he did something wrong. Well, he must have done something wrong if the Patriots didn't win. And I was wrong. Anyway, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to go on that tangent. Although I went on that tangent. Uh, but anyway, all the experts are predicting that the Republicans will take control of Congress, uh, and as such, Kevin McCarthy will probably be the speaker uh, if he can convince enough Republican Congress people to support him. And right now, that's very much in doubt because there is a uh, like a power battle. You know, some other guy wants to be speaker, and so the New York Times, which is always bending over backwards to be as fair as they can to Republicans, which is hilarious because Republicans have nothing, nothing but toxicity and poison for the New York times, fake news, elite East coast snobs. And the New York times is like, no, we're above it all. You can call us names and we will still come back to you and listen to you earnestly. (laughs) New York times, man, you're like some kid who keeps getting his lunch money taken. If you go down this corridor after school, maybe you should try a different corridor so your lunch money won't be taken. My guest who's about to come on is laughing because he knows back in the day I was the kind of kid who had his lunch money taken, but not my guest. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, this one is so funny, man. So uh, Kevin McCarthy is facing resistance from a newly emboldened right flank in the Republican Party. New York Times, please explain to me how could there be a right flank to the Republican Party if there's no left flank? If you have a right flank, you have to have a left flank. If you have a right side, you have to have a left side. You can't have, you can't have a right flank if you don't have a left flank. There is no left flank. There's no center. They're all on the right. There's no discernible difference in any way between Kevin McCarthy and whatever Yahoo wants the job. None at whatsoever. New York times is trying to like try to convince us it's a kind of form of propaganda right there. They're trying to convince that there's a difference between the extremist Marjorie Taylor greens of the Republican party and Kevin McCarthy. What difference is there? If Kevin McCarthy is going to bend over and kiss Marjorie Taylor greens, you know what? Every opportunity he gets what's the difference. I need help, ladies and gentlemen. In the Democratic Party, there's a difference. You got lefties like me, you got liberals like Nancy Pelosi. I mean, there's a difference. I'm like for the New Green Deal. They hate it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? There's like a difference between a lefty like me and a Democrat like Rahm or a Democrat like Lori Lightfoot. There's a difference. I admit it. <laughs> but in the Republican Party, there is no difference. They're all. On the right flank, the only, I guess, discernible difference is that some of them don't want to talk about Donald Trump. Well, I got news for you, all you Republicans who don't want to talk about Donald Trump. Good luck with that, because Donald Trump wants to talk about Donald Trump, and as long as Donald Trump's talking about Donald Trump, half the Republican Party is going to be excited by that. I'm just saying, man, I just read that story. It made me laugh out loud. (laughs) The right flank of the Republican Party. One more time. If you have a right flank, you have to have a left flank. You can't have one without the other. All right, New York Times, go back and figure it out. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on my distinguished guest who's listening to me rant and rave. He's been listening to me rant and rave for, I've known this man for a long, long time. <laughs> you should hear him rant and rave,
1: okay? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not that bad.
3: Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, his name is Devin Thompson, a dear friend of mine, extremely talented uh, musician singer. Many years ago, uh, we had a radio show together, uh, in Hyde Park, uh, WHPK shout out WHPK. And you know, a, a two of uh, my closest friends, uh, in the last 10 years I met through that show, the guy before us, Sergio Mims, may rest in peace, did a classical, uh, music show, became a dear friend, always on the show. Uh, and then the guy after us, uh, Adolfo Mondragon still comes on the show. Still a dear friend. Go to White Sox games Adolfo. together. It, Adolfo, man, <laughs> Devin, you would have a field day when Adolfo would walk in. The studio. Oh, I love him, man. I love him. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, it was just, I was it was only a momentary thing. Uh, we were both busy. Devin and I, we had to go on different, uh, had to drop the show, but it's just interesting. I met, Two great guys uh, from that show that Devin and I did. Devin, uh, before we get too far afield, just promote the hell out of what you want to promote. Take it away, young man.
1: All right, thank you, Ben. And tell Dennis he has he has the best baseball cap ever that he was wearing just a moment ago. Oh, you, you, you didn't even see it.
3: I did see it. What what is it? It's the S stands for Studley, I think. I'm not that quite sure. <laughs>
1: I don't even know how you can. De- I don't know how you can deal with this, Dennis. So I really don't. <laughs>
3: well,
1: I don't out, know, man. <laughs> That's Barry Bonds cap. I got one just like that. I went to spring training. I was geeked. I got a cap just like that.
3: Oh, cool. Wait, Barry-
1: is that a Barry Bonds cap? Did you say? Oh my god! I couldn't hear what you said. What did you say? You know. Anyway, I'm gonna go and from. You know what kind of hat that is? Okay. You, uh, you scrub fan. That's okay. Anyway, uh, I'm doing this gig uh, this Friday at a place called Tavern on the Grange. It is uh, 5405, uh, I'm sorry, 55, 5403 South of Grange Road in Countryside. I'm doing two shows, mm-hmm. one at 630, 638, and one from 930 to 11. If you're at 630, you know, that's that's Ben's time because... <laughs> He doesn't like to be out after a certain time. (laughs) He goes to sleep.
3: That is so not true. But anyway, go on. I will be at the six thirty
1: show. But that's (laughs) not (laughs) true. But uh, there's a six thirty show, and then there is also a nine thirty show. You guys come. It's a dinner show, or whatever that means. It's going to be pretty good food, from what I understand. It's a really nice place. I've never been there, but it's going to be a good show. And I'm doing a lot of tunes from my CD, "Tales of the Soul." I got some uh, some other things. I'm gonna surprise Ben with you know some covers that he wouldn't expect for me to do. So, uh,
3: yeah. I uh, actually the, the skies a little uh, with Devin because his uh, taste in music is so vast. It, f- it far exceeds my. I mean, he knows. First of all, the man knows music inside and out. It's phenomenal. Uh, just sit down with him talk uh, music. But he what you like, Devin, is so much greater. I'm I'm far more limited. I admit it. I am far more limited in what I like uh than you are. So I have no idea what you're gonna play. It could stun me. I put in a request for Lou Rawls. I'm not quite sure I'm gonna get it because I, I think I'm in the wrong demographic, a little too old for where you're at these days. But I love you Lou might, Rawls. You know what?
1: If you would have put in Lou Rawls early enough, then I would have I would have obliged you and I would have done that for you. But but you put it in a little too late, man. It's all and right. Like, don't worry about it. Which Lou Rawls do you want me to do? You know, you'll never find. I love you that. That's my that.
3: favorite. Album. My well, my
1: favorite song of all
3: time, which I will not sing because part of the thing on the old show, I would sing. <laughs> Devin has a beautiful voice; he could sing, and then I would sing. Ben, the ratings are going down, uh, but <laughs> my favorite. So I hear it every now and then on the radio. It's my absolute favorite Lou Rawls song. Every time I hear it, I crank it up. Uh, lady Love. I love Lady, you know, lady Love. love. So much oh, man. Uh, in fact, oh when yes. I, when, I, when someone gives me a mic, I just can't help it I start to um but you know, uh so uh, I will be at the six thirty show, uh my wife and I will be at the six thirty show uh and uh but the second show for the night Owls and and your uh will your extremely talented children be on stage with you
1: yeah, I have uh I have Kennedy he goes by. I'm sorry, you know him Ben. but he goes by. Kennedy Ray. I Y. That's his name. Okay. And then you have uh you have Devin. What Devin is going by. She's going by Devin. <laughs> that's her name. So and then my brother's playing drums too. So, wow. so you met my brother you. once before.
3: Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh back in Juliet. Yeah. Yes. Um so kind of
1: family, a kind of family affair there.
3: All right. Uh to quote Sly Stone. And uh so um before i let you go i just have to say man I, I don't know if you saw this news i didn't talk to you about this before we were on the air but uh one of my you know this you know she's one of my favorites we've you've we've made fun of me so much because i butcher the hell out of her, the lyrics of her song but roberta flack uh has als and she's not going to be able to sing anymore uh and yeah yeah, really I that. yeah
1: that's really. that's very very sad uh it's very sad you know one of uh, roberta Flagg to me so like if, i put her in the category of pure vocalist and what i mean is like she just had a pure voice she didn't have to do all the little you know riffs in the run she didn't have to do any of the song she that stuff she can just sing straight and her voice just sound beautiful no matter what you know and that's kind of what i put roberta Flack like Roy Orbison was the same way. He just had a beautiful voice. He just had a beautiful operatic type voice. So there's like you know Sam Cooke, Roy Orbison, Roberta Flack. Uh, it's a bunch of people that go into that into that category for me. They didn't have to do anything, you know, really special and to catch your attention. They were just marvelous how they were, you know. And they could, but they didn't have to. Yeah. So I, that just makes me really, really sad.
3: Does make me sad. I I was, I feel fortunate that I uh, got to see her once in concert, only once. Only got to see Roberta Flack once back in the day in the 70s. Uh, And, uh, but ah, that just struck me. I don't know why. I just love her voice so much and the thought that that gift, you know, will not be shared. What is she, like 85
1: or or 80?
3: Not that old. And let's get, let's just not go down that path.
1: Are you serious? Hold on, hold on. How old is Roberta Flack? How old is Roberta Flack?
3: Come on now. Roberta Flack is not 85 years old. Uh, I'm looking it up. Doesn't say in the newspaper right here. Uh but uh anyway, neither here nor there. I hope uh, nothing for the best for Roberta Flack. Not 85 <laughs> years old. Good God. Uh, hey, I
1: bet you she's I bet she is close to she's eighty-five years old. Oh, just like I said, we're going to go back to the University of Chicago and argue on your own show. Wait, now. time out. Is she really 85? Did you look she it up? This says she was born February 10th, 1937. God. Come on,
3: man. Well, you know what? You know, it's my show, so Dennis will edit this whole thing, and it'll, when he's done, you'll be the one saying, Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Fake news. You know, Dennis I love you, Roberta Black. I stood me up for you. Uh, 85 well you know what they say 85 is a new 45 so that's what they say
1: I, I, I sure <laughs> hope so if I make it there I'm going to make sure I quote that
3: uh, we will uh, yes if you make it to 85 I'll be whatever uh, requisite age I have to be to be there for your birthday that's uh, right. Alright, so uh, Devin, one more time uh, before I bring on my uh, next distinguished guest to talk politics uh, who's,
1: One more time, who, who, I am Devin B. Thompson and I will be doing two shows, two shows, two shows at Tavern on LaGrange uh, that is 5403 South LaGrange Road, Countryside I'm sorry it's not in Chicago but that's the best I can do right now and uh, yeah, I'll be doing two shows 6.30 to 8 o'clock uh, for the uh, people like men And uh, and <laughs> <laughs> the eighty-five-year-old said, <set. laughs> and uh, also nine thirty uh, to eleven. The, the next show, I'm going to be a boss so that means I'm boss. I'm cool. So yeah,
3: yes. Well, he is cool, and he's Devin Thompson. And thank you very much, Devin. I'll see you uh, Friday at your show. Okay. Oh, thanks, Ben. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, that's great, Devin Thompson. And now, without further ado, I'm going to bring on my next guest, the great Mister Dave Cloats. Dave, are you there, sir? Yes. All right. I I, I
4: can hear you. Yes, I am, Ben. Thanks for having me again. And thanks to Dennis. Hi, Dad. Dad, you getting any sleep? Your dad's Uh, here? No. (laughs) Your son's dad. Is he getting any sleep? Daughter. (laughs) Daughter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is he sleeping when did your kid change their gender? Was that part of the reveal party? That's so weird. (laughs) That
3: that is. No, he's all. (laughs) Uh Denise Denise, such a fabulous baby, they name a song after her.
4: Wait, um, you named her, you gave her two first names, Denise
3: Denise? Yeah, it's kinda weird, right? It yeah. It's well that's the song. You, you, wait, come on. I know you, that I know that Dennis. Do you me. know that song? Of course I do. Sing it, please.
4: Denise Denise. Do I have to sing more?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that constitutes displaying that you know the song. Uh, so Dave Gloetz inside Chicago government, uh, comes on, uh, at least once a month, Ben Jarowski's show. We're so glad he does with clips from the r- recent city council meetings and we break them down and analyze them. Uh, the man knows more about the Chicago city council than should be allowed by law. And, uh, since we're taking this opportunity to talk about the city council, I just want to say that we just cut a deal with the promontory, my dear friend, Maya duke and I, and we're going to do a first Tuesday this, uh, December. What is it? December? What's the first Tuesday in December? So you think I would know this? Uh, I believe it's December fifth uh, at the Promontory in Hyde Park. So we're going to Hyde Park, and um, we're the reason why it's relevant. No, excuse me, December sixth. December sixth, Tuesday, December sixth. The reason it's relevant is because we'll be discussing city councils then and now with uh, our host uh, Leslie Hairston, who that's it's her ward. And so she will be uh, welcoming us to her ward in, in Hyde Park Promontory, uh, and a dear friend of the show, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez um, from the 33rd ward. So just we just cut that deal and just want everybody to know. All right, Dave Glowatz, After I've done uh, shamelessly promoting our show, our first Tuesday show, take like it a away, great show it's going to be an excellent show. And uh, we're going to do it some punch. Oh, thank you for saying that. Cause we're also going to talk about punch nine, the great Harold Washington documentary and the concept of a democratic city council. Cause that was a pivotal moment in Chicago politics. Maybe uh, we can get a clip or two of the movie.
4: So mean, uh, you mean small D democratic city council.
3: That is correct. Senator small D very good point. Very good point to distinguish from capital D democratic party. Yes, indeed. Um, so Yeah. Uh, that should be a very good show, Tuesday, December 6th, at the Promontory in Hyde Park. So all you Northsiders, you know where Hyde Park is. Figure it out. Look it up on your little Google thing. Go down and, the
4: Lakefront Trail. You'll
3: find it. Yes, go down the Lakefront Trail. Uh, and all you Southsiders, you know where uh, Hyde Park is. You can come as well. Uh, and Westsiders and people from Evanston, et cetera, and so forth. All right, without further ado, Dave Goats. I know you have a whole bunch of clips to run by us, so take it away. Dave
4: well, since we last spoke, Ben, the full city council met on October 26, November 4, November 7, and tried but failed to meet on November 14. Well, on November 14, a bunch of them got in the room, but uh, didn't work out. So we're going to talk about a bunch of those. Dennis, please, we're going to do school first. So let's take these in chronological order, if we might. Uh, In June of this year, 24th Ward Alderman Michael Scott resigned. Scott had chaired the council's Education and Child Development Committee. And since his departure, the committee has been led by the vice chair, 4th Ward Alderman Sophia King, who is also in the running for mayor. At the October 26th meeting of the full city council, Mayor Lori Lightfoot floated a permanent chair of the education committee. And we're going to listen to how that went down. This starts with rules committee uh, a rules committee report by committee chair, Alderman Michelle Harris. Let's listen.
5: Chairman Harris.
6: Pursuant to Rule 36 and 41, I've submitted to the clerk a resolution filing for a vacant chairmanship. The resolution names Alderman Kappelman as the chairman of the Committee on Education and Child Development, copies of which have been distributed to all members. I move passage of this resolution by the same roll call vote previously applied to the first.
5: I think we should let the chairman finish reading, and then we'll have a roll call vote. How about
6: that? Apply to the first item of finance committee report and associated unsuccessful motion to reconsider.
5: There's been a request for a roll call. Okay. Voting is now open. Chair recognizes Alderman King. There's a there's a roll call going on, so I'm not sure that debate discussion is appropriate since you I think you were one of the people that called for a roll call.
6: I don't know that I got to it, but I definitely would like one. The time for question and debate is over
5: since the roll call has started. Okay. The yeas are 18. The nays are 29. The motion fails. Chair recognizes Alderman Lopez.
7: Madam President, do we need a motion to reconsider to consider this final?
5: I don't think there's a need for a motion to reconsider.
7: Fine. Then I move to reconsider the motion.
5: One moment, please. Motion for uh, reconsideration by Alderman Lopez. All those in favor of the motion for reconsideration signify by saying aye. All opposed, say nay. The nays have it. Chairman Harris. Um, now it's The chair recognizes Chairman
8: Irvin. Move to adjourn.
5: There's a motion to uh, adjourn on the floor. All those in favor of... uh, We got got, got,
7: uh, hearings. We got hearings. hearings? hearings.
1: You have public people who for budget hearings.
5: Um, All those in favor, still roll call vote.
6: Okay. The motion to adjourn is withdrawn. It sure recognizes women oh. <laughs> King. This is exactly you know, what people don't want in the city. You know, and I know, that I've been asking the CEO of Chicago Public Schools to come in, to meet, to have quarterly meetings. That's bringing in the light. That's transparency. And you saw with my colleagues today, they would like to have them come here. We give them millions of dollars every year. I didn't want to turn this into politics, but that's what it is right now. You know, we really need to have a transparent government where we allow folks to understand and hear from one of the most important bodies in our city, and that's Chicago Public Schools. I don't understand why we have to, you know, make this political. I am the acting chair. I reached out to the CEO. He has not returned my call. I assume it's under your orders. This is just not how government should be Auto run. Roman King, <clears throat> don't make that assumption. And that's not appropriate.
5: Okay. I have no knowledge of your contacts with the CEO. So, I am not appropriate. So, don't make that assumption and please don't bring me into what is clearly a political issue for you.
6: Oh, I, I'm the acting chair. That is something that he should. I, I reached out to your chief of staff, I reached out to you, not returned. Uh, you know, we need to continue government no matter what's going on in the city. Uh, and I think grown people can agree to do that. And quite frankly, if you would spend more time attacking problems instead of people, all right, we would all be right. much better off. Uh, uh, Alderman Alderman King, so. you're out of order. Thank you, Madam President. You're out of order, and I'm not going to
5: let you make a political speech on the floor because of your aspirations. If you have an issue, we should talk about it, but this is not the time or the place, ma'am. I started it. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, Alderman King. I think people understand exactly where you're at.
4: After the council meeting, Mayor Lightfoot was asked about her nomination for Education Committee Chair, and her response showed she was either misinformed or less than truthful about how the Rules Committee handled the nomination. Listeners can hear that in the extended version of this interview found at the Inside Chicago Government website, shygov.com. What do you think, Ben?
3: Well, I have a lot to think, but I always enjoy this part of the when Dave Goetz comes on the show, uh, where I make Dave, uh, Dave duck and dodge watch this ladieship. Watch what we're about to. You're going to see some dance moves that I I I don't think John Travolta can be as so slick in the dance floor. So watch this. Uh, not that so works, yeah, was, uh, he's barefooting. As the great song from the sixties. And wearing socks. Barefooting. Oh, all right. Anyway, so the, uh, I believe you're alluding uh, to uh, the press conference afterwards where, uh, someone asked her, uh, that why, uh, it as to whether, uh, was it, uh, a matter came before the uh, rules committee. I think it was like a rules committee meeting. She said "Then the matter came before the rules committee when it hadn't come before the rules committee. That's correct. Uh, And uh, she said it came before the rules committee and then all the reporters got to give them more credit. How the hell they knew this? I mean, that was good. This is good beat work, beat reporters that you knew this issue. She was wrong and it hadn't. And they all correct her.
4: For the record, it was Justin Lawrence of cranes.
3: Wow. Cranes. Hey Justin Lawrence, shout out to you. Got to give you a lot of love. Crane's got that paywall. I can't read it. That Crane's paywall is like That's how he knows he's getting paid. You know. <laughs> Every time I go to read you, Justin Lawrence, here comes that Matumbo-like paywall, batting me. Away.
4: Hey, he was inside, inside tip, uh, Heck, Just wait about a week, and you uh, you have a you have a library card, right? Yes, sir. You can log into your Chicago Public Library account and uh, read Cranes for
3: free there. Whoa, I did not know that. Thank you. Wow, that is an excellent tip. Uh, Anyway, um, so going back to, so, all right, so Dave Glowatz, uh, Lori Lightfoot, was wrong. Uh, when she said the Rules Committee had considered this matter, as uh, Justin from Cranes pointed out. So uh, she was wrong. Do you think she was wrong because uh, she uh, just really didn't know what had happened, or do you think at that moment she was uh, lying and that she actually did know and she just put it out a different way, not figuring that uh, nobody would know the other, one way or the other? Dave Goetz, make a decision, Go.
4: I think they're equally possible. It's possible that Alderman, uh, the chair of the Rules Committee, Alderman Michelle Harris, should have brought it up in the previous Rules Committee meeting, and she missed it. And just um, missed it. But what's what's informative is if you listen to how Harris introduced the motion uh, for the um uh, appointment of Alderman Kaplman as the Education Committee Chair. She, the way she said it, it, implied to me that she wasn't reporting it out of something that had been approved by the committee. She said, pursuant to Rule X and resu- Rule Y, which made it sound like she was like introducing it right at that moment. Uh, and it's possible it's because she forgot to bring it up in committee. I don't know And I don't know if the mayor caught
3: that, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, yeah. That's actually not a duck and a dodge. It's a more or less honest answer, which is, I don't know. All right. Now, uh, which is, if you don't know, you don't know. Uh, now as to your, uh, your, your question about what I thought about that so much, so much I can say, so much I can riff on. Uh, number one, I've talked about this show before, but I'll just repeat it. Uh, so they're talking about a vacancy uh, as committee chair. Uh, the previous chairman, as uh, Dave pointed out, Michael Scott stepped down fin- before his term was finished. I can always like to say this. He ran for a four-year term, ladies and gentlemen, left early, giving the mayor an opportunity to appoint his uh, his successor, who happened to be his sister. All right, he took a job in the private sector.
4: In all fairness, she went through a uh, selection process a public selection process where a list of names was submitted to the mayor
3: i would, it's irrelevant <laughs> to the, the narrative i'm saying uh, and uh, so the rea- so here you have a vacancy created because a guy stepped down before his term was up to take another job to take a job in a private sector like you didn't say when you were running that you were going to run for three and a half years and then take a job in the private sector. So it's just like that really sort of irritates me. Uh, the mayor wants to replace him with James Kappelman, the alderman of the forty-sixth ward, uh, who is stepping down in April. Okay, so that so she wants to replace him with a temporary person, uh, and um, and Sophia King wants the job. She's stepping down because she's running for mayor. Presumably, we'll know for for certain. Young Dave Glowitz if she's running for the mayor, nominating petitions are filed. Or, yes, exactly. Or maybe she'll run for re-election. We don't know. Same thing with Raylo. So it's just it's just you know so.
4: Excuse me. Do you know for a fact that King is circulating Aldermanic
3: nominating petitions? I do not know either one. I do not know if Raylo is doing it. I do not know if Sophie okay. King is doing it. Uh, if um, if I had a bet, I would say they're circulating two sets of petitions, but I could be wrong in that bet. I bet that the Bears would win last week against Detroit. I was wrong in that bet, so I don't always win my bets. Uh, but uh, so anyway, so the joke of it is, this is like it's like a non, it, it's a, a a committee that does nothing, absolutely nothing. The four previous chairman just quit his job uh, before it was done. The uh, the two new chairs, one chair will do whatever the mayor says. That would be Kaplman. Uh, so, you're not going to have anything remotely resembling independence. Uh, and uh, furthermore, I, I haven't.
4: And then, mind you, King says she's got plenty she would like to do, but has felt stymied.
3: Yes. Uh, okay. So, uh, I think Sophia King, which, by the way, the jabs, which we always love, whenever a mayoral critic wants to make fun of the mayor for not being transparent, they talk about bringing the light because that was Lori Lightfoot's big call. <laughs> I'm gonna bring in the light. So they're always quoting it back to you. It's low hanging. It's low hanging. It really is. It's like an apple right in your face because it's sort of like, remember to bring in the light? Remember the transparency part? Chicago mayors love to say they want to be transparent until they become, wait, candidates for mayor want to say they're transparent until they become mayors, And they don't want to be transparent anymore. But you could have a great debate. I mean, See, my attitude is a little different than most people. Like Sophia King said, we give millions of dollars. Let me correct you, uh, Madam Alderman. The Chicago Board of Education, the Chicago Public Schools has willingly, willingly turned over tens of millions of public property tax dollars every year to the mayor's tiff slush fund, every freaking year. And so it's a two-way street. And this everything they talk about when it comes to public financing of education, like the Sun Times has been doing these stories. All oh, the public public schools are going to be in critical crisis when the school board comes because they don't have enough money to meet their bills. The and elected the TIF, school board, the elected school board. Yeah. And and their uh, the TIF, the TIF money that the mayor's been kicking back to them is not an annual thing. It's just a one one time show. I got news for you. It could be an annual thing. You're paying those property taxes every year. Every time they extend a TIF, and they, uh, Dave now follows this stuff being closer than I do these days, there's like at least two proposals to extend TIFs in the city council, TIF districts in the city council for another 12 years. Dave can give you a whole story on that. Go to the inside Chicago government. He covers it well. And so every time you do that, that's another 12 years of tax dollars that the public schools aren't getting. So this game that they're playing in City Hall that does – the, the kind benevolent Chicago mayor and uh, the city council are giving money. Like you have money for kids in Chicago public schools. No, they take more than they give. They take, I always say, they take a dime, they give you a nickel and they say, you're supposed to say thank you. So I would welcome Dave Glowatz, an independent education committee that would actually examine school finances and the connection, the relationship between TIFFs and public education or, and your tax bill. Or as
4: Mayor Daly would say would scrutin
3: it. <laughs> Which Mayor Daly? Daddy Daly or Baby Daily? Baby Daly, that was his uh turn of phrase, remember? Baby Daly, yeah, scrutin baby. Scrutinize. I had Daddy Daly on my mind for some uh reason. So uh, uh, right. the uh,
4: the uh the departed chair of the education committee Michael Scott uh-huh, coincidentally Jr. Jr. Uh, Coincidentally, uh, either because of what he did or didn't do as Education Committee chair, was appointed to what public body right after he left? By Mayor
3: Lightfoot. Oh, yeah, good point. He was appointed to the Chicago uh, Board of Education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that whatever he you not know, working out, you know. So. Yeah, and so yeah, it's absolutely a disgrace that uh, the CEO of the public schools, Pedro Martinez, does not go over to the Chicago City Council uh, and face questions from the Alderman, just like Dorval Carter, the head of the uh, CTA, was reluctant to well, do. Now it. he can send Scott. Say that again.
4: Now he can send Scott. That would that would be fun?
3: Yeah, wouldn't that be or my old friend Miguel DeVay, send him who's the chair of uh, the Board of Ed. But it's it's absurd game that they play. And the Board of Education, Chicago Public Schools, has always been an extension of City Hall. And now uh, that we're going to get an elected school board, which the mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, opposed. And you could tell that she's still irritated by having to do that. Now she's being passive aggressive. Oh, you want an elected school board? Oh, well, you go figure out your finances. Hello, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Those tens and tens of millions of dollars of TIF property tax dollars are being given to you. By the board of education, actually, it's property tax dollars the public pays for. So, I would welcome scrutiny from the the education committee of the city council. I do not believe we're ever going to get scrutiny from the uh, education uh, committee and the city council during this mayor's tenure. Unless maybe,
4: unless King becomes chair and she she likes to scrutin.
3: <laughs> you mean she, or she or she becomes mayor? Now watch. Ooh. Do you think if she comes mayor, she'll be singing a different uh, song? Do you, you think know, if uh, she's the mayor, elections, she'll...
4: Elections done... change things.
3: you know. What is that? A quote from uh, Lori Lightfoot in today's paper. Or, uh, I forget where I saw it, but it was like some campaign promise that she broke. Uh, and she goes, it's one thing when you're running for office, you say things, then you get in office and it's different. What? <laughs> it's a moment of clarity.
4: <laughs> What's Whoa, the this just this just in. <laughs>
3: I was like, well, then, what? Well, why say anything? Might make any problem. Wait, you know what? Just be uh, evasive. Well, pretend, I don't know what pretend I'm you're going running to. for, judge.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> like, yeah, pretend you're running for judge. I cannot comment on that because I'm to rule on it. <laughs> Unbelievable. these are are your mayor people you voted for oh wait i voted for lori Lightfoot. can we amend speaking of of
4: transparency i want to note a a really uh landmark thing that happened at this uh october 26th meeting this was the, the the major shift aldermen are back starting at that meeting aldermen were put back in their regular seats this is like whoa, big deal! During the pandemic, as you as you know, yeah. as I've talked about before, they were they stopped allowing the public into the main chamber, so the area where the public normally sits had chairs spread out for the aldermen. And now, uh, starting with that meeting, the aldermen were back in their wow. chairs, and they started letting the public back into the public seating area, although they had. Uh, some of the public area seats blocked off, and the council still provides overflow seating upstairs in the uh, Glaston Mezzanine, which we'll hear more about later. So that's kind of, to me, that was something that I've been, you know, looking for, and uh, I found that pretty exciting.
3: It, it, well, you know, here's the thing, man. This is my, a tangent within a tangent. One of my favorite topics, Dennis and I talk at all about it all. It's just, there's a headline in the New York Times, that, as virus lingers, Americans fear it or forget it. And so I'm in the fear category. Like I've had so many boosters, I've run out of space on my original booster card, so they had to give me a second card. Here, you get a second card and a lollipop. All right. Other people and I wear masks still, like at the bowling alleys and that and the other. I'm gonna go on a plane. I'm gonna wear masks. But I think uh, nine out of ten Americans are like, we're forgetting it.
4: Party on! Woo woo! There are think- a couple aldermen still wearing masks in the chamber. Them. For example, I noticed uh, alderman Brian Hopkins, Second Ward is still wearing not one but two masks oh okay other.
3: Other. Yeah. something Brian one of the few things that Brian Hopkins and I agree on I give you credit for that Brian Hopkins and uh, but so but on the other hand I'm running out of hands uh, Dr. Awadi is <laughs> be scared Chicago this COVID that's coming is gonna really knock you out there's so many mixed messages I'm like flooded with and then critics go Ben Two things could be true at the same time. Yeah, you know when people tell you that, like, whoa, let me think about that.
4: And then wow. three.
3: <laughs> it's like, whoa, don't go talking all crazy. Rain <laughs> overload.
4: Well, let's anyway. move on. We've got a lot go of ground ahead. to cover here.
3: No, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: Dennis, please, we'll do climate next.
3: Okay. <laughs> In October,
4: the Lightfoot administration published a series of draft documents that comprised its 2023 city budget proposal. And the city years, city's fiscal year starts on what day, then?
3: The fiscal year? Uh-huh. Uh, I always get, I'd get this one mixed up with the Board of Ed. Uh, the, this one's uh, easy. Uh, January 1st for city, and then the Board of Ed, I think, don't quote me, is October 30th? I want to say something like that. Yeah, it's, but, some,
4: but, it's some bizarre date. And the, bizarre the state of Illinois yeah. is July first. You know, no, just no, like, get the out. the <laughs> as possible. <laughs> so yeah, the city goes by a calendar year. Okay. And city law requires the city council, therefore, to approve a budget by the end of the previous year. <clears throat> the Lightfoot administration aimed to get city council approval of the half dozen budget ordinances in November. So. The process they've used in previous years, and again, this year, is to schedule a series of hearings uh, of the Council's Committee on Budget and Government Operations, which we call the Budget Committee, chaired by 3rd Ward Alderman Pat Dowell. Each of these hearings focuses on the appropriation for different city departments or operations, such as the city clerk, the water department, streets and sanitation, public safety, etc., well, the budget committee held over a dozen of these hearings in October, going into November. Now, I've got an idea of what these hearings are supposed to accomplish. Why don't you tell me your idea of what you think these hearings should be accomplishing?
3: What they should be accomplishing, or uh-huh. what they do accomplish? Well, you can you are like we like. Two things I mean, can be <laughs> okay. Okay, so what they should accomplish uh, when I as I begin to launch this explanation. Is like exists in a, a fairyville, fairy tale land where uh, the world is perfect, which resembles nothing to do with Chicago. So, if you believe in fairy tales, this is what they should accomplish. And I've heard you have a be, rich fantasy life, they should be enlightened, objective conversations about the f- realities of Chicago finances. How much money do we legitimately need to run the services that we legitimately want? How much money the pro- the taxpayers will be paying through property taxes? How much money we'll be getting from the federal government? How much money we'll be getting from the state government? All presented in a clear and logical uh, sequence so that any body can follow it at home. To be scrutinized. To be scrutined. That's what it should be. But what it is, is pageantry pageantry to fool you, the public, into thinking that your mayor, regardless who that mayor may be, could be Lori Lightfoot, could be Rahm Emanuel, could be uh, Baby Daly, it could be Daddy Daly. That mayor is wise and benevolent and caring and really worries about you, stays up at night thinking about you, loves you. And you were so fortunate to have that person as your mayor. And every night when you go to bed, you should drop to your knees and thank the Lord above that that mayor is the mayor and not some other evil person. So that's what they, uh, end, that's curious, what they you end up doing. an alderman
4: or two who actually does that, I wonder who you, who you, would name.
3: Wait, currently does that. Uh, I don't know if you uh, want to go yeah, there. A bunch of them. I mean, a bunch of them did it with Rom, and oh my God, with Daly both dailies who were alderman would get up i mean you? with this mayor <laughs> ah scotty back. i love you no, i'm just kidding oh, scotty. Man. you know i love you scotty you oh, man. that's the next clip i really gotta your next oh, sorry, clip, clip. It. dennis goes next clip <laughs> <laughs> we're getting carried away okay um
4: so but let me let me pose another sort of real world possibility about what should happen okay given that the budget proposal documents that the aldermen are scrutinizing are essentially the mayor and mayoral administration's proposals. Mm-hmm. These hearings could be forums or fora, if you prefer, for <laughs> the aldermen to okay. say, yeah, that's nice, but can you tweak this? And can we get this in addition? So a way mm-hmm. you know, to give feedback to what essentially is a mayoral proposal, right? Okay. So um, this that this is going to become why I'm saying this is going to be, become evident as we listen to this. So anyway, one of the they they went through like, as I say over a dozen of these budget hearings all through October, and the final one took place November on November two, in which Alderman grilled members of the administration about something very specific: reinstituting the Department of Environment, which was eliminated previously by aforementioned Mayor Rahm Emanuel. This clip starts with Budget Director Susie Park. Let's listen.
0: Key items to note in this amendment include the creation of Department Number 72, which is the Office of Climate and Environmental Equity, The amendment before you today pulls the office out of the mayor's office and creates a separate office with various responsibilities as outlined in the management ordinance. There are 10 positions budgeted for this office, which includes the chief sustainability officer grants research specialist and project managers.
8: Alderman Riley. Why did we choose not to create a department of environment in the budget this year? I understand a number of my colleagues have been calling for this, and frankly, I thought it was a mistake when the city did away with it years ago. Why do we need to have a separate office outside the mayor's office that's going to do a study to determine whether we need a department? I think we all know we do need one. Why not just go ahead and, and, and create a department?
0: When we took apart the Department of Environment, a lot of the roles and responsibilities in that department were put out to other departments. I think there's work um, that we need to do that you know could not have happened in the last 40, 72 hours, however long we've been having this conversation of what started to really build out a robust Department of Environment. This is a good first step we are commissioning a study to really look at where all those roles went, what do we pull back in um, and you know hopefully in 2024 we will come back with a robust department. Thank
8: you for answering the question but I'd be happy to share the old budget books pre Emanuel getting rid of the department. Yes. It's easy to recreate. I've seen it. Yes. But we know which departments receive the inspectors and all that. I don't think we need an interim step. I I would advocate for creating the department, start small and perhaps grow over time. What you see before you is a middle step. It
0: is a small step. It has a department (laughs) number, just like every other, you know, department here in the city. You know, it will be in the appropriation ordinance. It will be a separate department page.
1: Alderman Irvin. Now, will this department or this office have enforcement authority?
0: Right now, this office is more on um, the policy and planning side. The enforcement authority, I believe, sits with Department of Public Health.
1: Health and buildings. Okay. And And so that's the step one. And then step two is to bring the enforcement aspect.
0: And that's what we're going to look at over this next year is to really look at all the different roles, kind of who owns that now and then what that looks like either coming back. But that's part of the discussion that's going to happen over the next year.
5: Alderman Siloski Garza. About this Office of Climate and Environmental Equity. I'm going to address my questions to
9: the Chief Sustainability Officer. My name is Angela Tobar. I'm the chief sustainability officer. Okay, so you're going to be running this department. It's an office. Yes. Can you tell us what your vision is for this office and what this office will be doing? The climate and environmental equity is intended to work across all sectors and departments to advance the vision that we set forth in the climate action plan. We released a climate action plan this year. It gets the city to a 60% reduction in our greenhouse gas emissions by 2040. In addition to that, we will be working with departments. So we serve as a coordinating body, which is the function that we have now. This is intended to codify the function that already exists. So why this office and not the Department of Environment? There should be a governance structure that helps advance the city to a clean energy future. We have done a best practice scan across many cities most cities have both. The coordinating effort on behalf of an office at a higher level that is charged with strategic coordination is critical here. So most cities, if you look at New York, if you look at Los Angeles, there is both a Coordinating Climate Office and a Department of Environment. But and
4: we, we don't certainly...
3: have a Department of Environment. Alderman Ramirez-Rosa,
8: I want to read something to you all. Breaking, we released our environmental policy exclamation point. We've got to bring back the Department of Environment to combat climate change
3: and ensure that Chicagoans have clean air to breathe and safe water to drink no matter their race, economic status or zip code. This was tweeted out by Mayor Lightfoot on January 10th, 2019. And the 10 positions in this office, that's less than the 15 in the mayor's press office. So if you want to talk about where our priorities lie as a city, I think it's pretty clear from this budget appropriation.
8: Alderman Osterman on the Department of Environment. I'm curious as to who's against this. The Black Caucus supports it. The Progressive Caucus supports it. The Latino Caucus supports it. Others of us who are not in a caucus, but are allied with all of those caucuses support this. Is there like some group in the city or some entity that's out there that is like trying to prevent a Department of Environment? Because I'm kind of scratching my head.
0: I'm not aware of anyone that's blocking or the obstacle. I think, you know, where the discussion is, is like, what does a full blown department look like? Like I said, I think, you know, we have some work to do. It's not about just, you know, pulling different pieces from all the departments.
8: I'm gonna do an apples to apples. We had a department of housing. We got rid of the department of housing. And then four years ago, we added one back out of thin air, and we cobbled it together. It was put into the budget. Mayor Lightfoot appointed a great commissioner, and Commissioner Navarra who built that department up over time. During COVID, Department of Housing did a phenomenal job of housing people in a crisis. There was no study done four years ago or five years ago to say we should reinstitute a Department of Housing. Members of the council, the administration said this is the right thing to do, and we did it.
4: So I have a definite perspective on this, Ben, and uh, let, me, let me play it off to you and see what see what you uh, think about it. Go ahead. On, on the one hand, I could see that aldermen are responding in their yearning, their quest, their insistence on standing up a Department of Environment right away by a number of things that are are happening and have happened in Chicago, like there uh, there was a major. Uh, demolition on the south side that blanketed Pilsen with all this uh, debris and, and, and it was a really terrible air, air pollution problem. There's this issue of uh, the approval of uh movement of the general iron um, metal recycling facility to the far south side and the approval of that. And then there, of course there are climate related things like, you know, we have uh, lake level rise and fall that erodes uh beaches and damages lakefront property so aldermen are uh i think reacting to constituents concerns about all these things on the other hand the administration is saying yeah we you know we clearly need a a department of environment that's a best practice but then there's this uh management office that sets policy and we need to make sure that we know where all those pieces of environment that existed before Department of Environment were, so we can reassemble them properly. And just give us a year, and we'll figure that out. So those that's, those are the things that seem in balance, and neither seems unreasonable to me. That's that's what I'm wondering if you'd react to.
3: I mean, if you I get into the weeds of whether we should have a department of environment or an office of the environment, uh, whether we need a year to figure out how we set up the environment, I I I actually don't really care. You know, I I think that uh, the real issue is that the people who run the city of Chicago do not want an, a scrutiny over environmental issues. They don't want to directly. Uh, confront the choices that we have to make on so many of the points that you made. Uh, and I could break them down. Well, number one, moving general irons from uh, the north side, uh, the banks of the Chicago River, to the southeast side. If we had a Department of Environment, uh, they would have scrutinized that. They would have come up with a determination. Clearly, Rom didn't want any environmental discussion whatsoever. He just wanted to move general irons from the north side to the south side so you could open up the north side for development for more development, for upscale development, that was the driving force. The driving force was not protecting the people on the Southeast side for more pollution, protecting the people in Chicago for more pollution. It was how can I take care of my developer friends who want to make a killing a fortune on the banks of the Chicago river. So just get to straight people in the city of Chicago, the mayors that you elect don't care about the environment. Mayor Daley flirted with it. He loved bike riding and trees. They were like the two things he loved. And I always made fun of the bike riding community because Mayor Daley had a ride to bike day in August. Dave Glowatz knows where I'm going. And bicyclists over Chicago are like, oh, thank you, Mayor Daley. Thank you. We a don't little, care. We're torturing bike people. people. little bike people. Except for Dave Glowatz. I gave him credit. He didn't fall for that. Uh, so...
4: I felt for other reasons.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so the point is, it's like, this is... Development will always come before environmental concerns, ladies and gentlemen, in the city of Chicago. And they don't want a vigorous environmental department because they don't want to have to deal with environmental issues. How long? Oh, this is I'm going to show my age here. Dave Glover is probably the only guy who remembers this. Remember, like the blue bag program? Oh. Remember that joke of recycling? Mayor Daly? How many years did we waste with that? It's like this city doesn't care. Mike Novak comes on this show every now and then, uh, Dave. He's an environmentalist, passionate environmentalist, uh, gardener, radio man. I love him dearly. And he just loses his mind every time he's on the show talking about how much the city doesn't care. Brendan Riley, suddenly he's Mr. Environmental. That Rahm Emanuel budget, I believe that was the first budget where he closed the mental health clinics. It was 50 to nothing in the city council. 50 to nothing, ladies and gentlemen, and now they all want an environment environmental committee. I didn't see one alderman stand up to Rahm when he cut environment. They don't want it. They want so unlimited your, growth. Your, your basic the, point is
4: they're more concerned with what the developers want, and they'll put some window dressing on it by being insistent that, why don't you have it in this 2023 yes, budget? Yes,
3: exactly. No one cares. We go on and on. The, the, like you talked about Hillco, the demolition of that plan in Little Village. If there had been an environment, there would have been a hearing. There would have been a hearing. Like what, they would have dragged in the developer who's tearing it down to say, what do you intend to do? What are the consequences? Nothing like that. I'm telling you people, Democrats are supposed to believe In climate change, Democrats vote for other Democrats who say they believe it. But at a practical level, this Democratic run city doesn't care about the environment at all. Actions speak louder than words. Dave Glowatz. Just think about it. How do we get people out of cars? Dave Glowatz has been coming on my various podcasts forever talking about you care about the environment. Get people out of cars can you imagine an environmental department in the city of Chicago that would be promoting people, they wouldn't getting out of cars. They won't even bring the head of the CTA to the city council to discuss like people are afraid to be in the CTA because they're afraid of crime. All right, let's put some cops on the trains. You know, let's put some security guards on the train. Can we talk about this? No, we're not allowed to talk about this because it would embarrass the mayor. It would, it would make it seem as though the city wasn't already efficiently running. So, therefore, ridership falls. More people are in cars. More pollution. This city doesn't care about the environment. And the faster you come to terms with that, Chicagoans, the more real you will be about the city and the officials that you elect. There, I said it. Go. People
4: listen to this segment because it just makes them so. Um, what's the word? It gives them a certain lighthearted feeling about living in the city of Chicago.
3: I know. It's like <laughs> we've got a lot more to cover. Oh my god! That. By the way, I I know it's. Too. We have a lot more to go, but I'm still lost about the reconsider. Was it the motion to reconsider? Raylo put that. I didn't know that. Lost me, I know a lot of that was two segments ago. I realized that. But could you just briefly explain what was going on there yeah, with Every, every vote
4: that the city council takes can later be called into question and asked, "Hey, can we vote on that again?" By someone who voted in the inf- in the uh, affirmative. or or on the winning side of that, whatever vote it was. So on that vote, a particular vote where the nomination, the appointment of Alderman Kaplman to head the um, education committee was voted down. Alderman Lopez, who presumably also voted no, asked for a vote of reconsideration. And typically that's done so that, what happens then is all the aldermen majority the aldermen say no this vote cannot be reconsidered so another vote cannot be taken at a later time to uh, rescind the original vote so it's it's a rescission proof measure
3: got it very well done excellent job dave glowatz and raylo you have memorized robert's rules of order look at you knowing that stuff go you
4: ahead he, so for, so that's interesting it's uh, lopez it implies that lopez didn't want this vote for capitalman uh, to come up again at some other, be snuck in at some other time. Yes. Uh, Dennis, please, we're gonna do numbers next. So we've been talking about the budget process and we just heard a segment about a particular detail of something that might or might not get into the budget. But with respect to getting the entire package of budget-related ordinances passed by the council, the Lightfoot administration scheduled two meetings of the full council. The first place took the first took place on November four, and in that meeting, the mayor's allies successfully moved to have the half, doge, half dozen budget-related ordinances deferred for consideration to the following city council meeting scheduled for November 7. Ben, do you know why they did that? No. No idea. do.
3: Um well I don't know. Where, okay. why, why so it? any
4: any two aldermen <clears throat> when something is up for a vote, mm-hmm. any two aldermen can delay the consideration, can delay the vote for uh or delay it to the next city council meeting. Okay. So if the administration wants to have, say, the budget passed in November, uh-huh. and they schedule a meeting at which they're going to pass the budget. Yeah. Any two aldermen who oppose the budget could stand up and say, "We move to defer." Got it. And then it would be we have to be moved to the next city council meeting. So to head that off, this <laughs> is a technical thing. They scheduled two meetings back to back: one on a Friday, one on a Monday, another oh Friday my God. one. The, the very, the respective chairman of the finance and the, and the budget committees, you know, got together with other allies and said, we move to defer. And then the next meeting was on 7th and the 7th was the
3: <laughs> That is hilarious, man. <laughs> Uh, then That was aimed at Ray. We've done so many shows where Ray Lowe and Anthony Beal are going, I defer and publish. And yeah. the mayor and all are, oh, that's so bad. And uh, Andre Vasquez, this is the most immature thing I've ever seen in my life. So, it's yeah, got so they, it's This has
4: this <laughs> become de rigueur. You know, this is just what they do. It's like, they got to line up. You got to make sure the ducks are in the right. Hey, so anyway. man,
3: I get it. That's, that's good thinking. They all right. study, Robert. It took them three years, but they've all ma- mastered the <laughs> rule book. Okay, So that's all I'm going to say about the. Debate. November 4
4: meeting. So now we're going to go to the November 7 meeting. We're going to hear several clips from that meeting of aldermen speaking against and for the 2023 budget package. Before we do, I want to highlight some of the ordinances in the budget package just for clarification. A couple of them are revenue ordinances, which specify how the city will collect the money to fund its operations, namely through things like property taxes and bond issuances. Another key uh, part of the budget package is the appropriation ordinance, which details how money is allocated, how it's spent by each individual city department. And that ordinance includes things like the number of people in each department and, and their salaries. And I want to point out that when an alderman says that they plan to support or oppose the budget, they pretty much mean that they're going to vote for or against all of the ordinances in the package. And there's like a half dozen. But usually a handful of aldermen will vote in favor of one, say, the appropriation ordinance, but vote against the revenue ordinance, such as one containing tax levies, because, you know, they don't want to go on record as being for taxes. So that that occasionally happens. And we can take a deeper dive if you want into that later. But first, let's hear part of the remarks made before the budget votes. Uh, at the november 7 meeting by north alderman rosanna rodriguez sanchez of the 33rd ward let's listen
7: i want to thank everyone that i'm looking at on this side of the room for folks who don't know many of our commissioners are here with us today the challenge for me and I, i'm going to quote alderman Moore here alderman you just said when we have the money We spend it to not only allocate money, but to use the money. And that is what we did not do in this past budget. The budget that I voted for last year was encouraging to me for what we were endeavoring to do for this city. And then to look at those numbers over the past year and go line through line. Domestic violence funding, zero allocated out the doors. Our money on youth uh, deflection and diversion not out the door, our money for the SCAN programs, to actually invest in our young people, not out the door, it was deeply frustrating, because that's what I worked for. That was the course that we were trying to set for this city. The sixty-six, sixty-five thousand 65,000 Chicagoans who don't have an address, that 51st Ward, who represents them? Where do they register to vote tomorrow? Like Those are the questions that we need to be asking ourselves. We have the opportunity to serve them for their health and their safety. This is not it. I wish that it was it. And I worked hard, 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 and I know so many of you did, to get to a budget that I could vote yes on. That is not where I'm at today. Alderwoman
5: Rodriguez Sanchez.
10: Our communities have been fighting for our unhoused neighbors through Bring Chicago Home, through the restoration of the Department of the Environment, Treatment Not Trauma, with reopening our public mental health centers, Peace Book Ordinance, Torture Justice Memorial, and we got none of that. Although we have seen a lot of efforts to hire police officers, I have seen it with ads on the train, outside of the train, on the the platform, bus stop, paper, billboards. I didn't see one single ad to hire clinicians, the ones that were promised for our community mental health centers, not one. Out of 14 clinicians, we hired four. Four clinicians out of a promise that was made last year to increase the staffing of our mental health centers by 73%. We keep being told that our public mental health centers matter, that they are a priority, but people don't even know they're there. People don't know how to make an appointment in our public mental health centers. We have been asking for a website where you can go and see these clinics and what are the services that are available. That doesn't exist. We've been asking and asking and asking. One of the most important things I believe for me in this budget was to advance even a little bit the framework of treatment, not trauma. One of the things that we proposed was to turn three out of our five remaining mental health centers, three. Make them into walking crisis centers that could be open 24 hours. It would only mean that you would increase the staffing of three of those centers for people to be able to be transported when they had mental health issues that didn't require going to the ER and didn't need to end up at a police station. But that didn't happen either. And I'm going to tell you why that was important to me. I imagine that people in this chamber remember Irene Chavez. Irene Chavez was a queer Afro-Latina woman, veteran, who was going through a PTSD episode. She was under treatment. She had a therapist. She had an incident in a bar. The police was called. She was transported in a police car while she was in the car. She said many times that she needed to talk to her therapist. She said it many times. She ended up in a holding room at a station where she took her own life. She needed mental health care. She didn't need to be at a police station. We are asking for things that are basic. We are asking for things that are being done in other cities. That don't even have the amount of resources that Chicago has. We're not asking for too much.
4: I apologize. That clip started with first word Alderman Daniel Laspada. One of the things we talked about earlier, Ben, is you know what Aldermen should be able to get out of all these you know long series of budget committee meetings, you know, back and forth, and this set of remarks by Alderman Rodriguez-Sanchez prevents sort of a laundry list of things that she had asked that the 2023 budget include and evidently does not. So I'm wondering if that implies uh, poor negotiation on the mayoral administration's part, or is it deliberate policy decisions? Like it's the administration saying, we ain't doing that.
3: Yeah. I think it's the latter, and uh, it I mean, a very similar response to the Department of Environment. Uh, a budget is, and when people say this a lot, a set of priorities. So there's uh, a limited amount of money. It's a lot, but it's a limited. It's not an unending amount of money that the, the city has to spend in any given year. Uh, and so they show you what the priorities are, the way they spend it. Uh, and what's frustrating is even when they say they're going to spend it on something, they don't spend it on something. Uh, and, um, this was what
4: the spot was
3: saying. uh, Yes. And, uh, uh, and so last year mayor Lori Leifert was very proud and she got some lefties to vote for her budget. Uh, and now the lefties are saying, well, (laughs) you promised that you would spend the money on X, Y, Z, and then you didn't deliver. Uh, Rosanna is a frequent guest on the show, as is Carlos Ramirez Rosa, two of the members of the Democratic Socialist Caucus. uh, JT, Jeanette Taylor's on the show a lot, too. So my listeners know, Dave, what their priorities are. They talk about them all the time when they come on the show. Uh, And those priorities are not shared by Mayor Lori Lightfoot. For whatever reason, we get it. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, So... Chicago is essentially, again, it's a democratic town. 85% of the people voted uh, Democrat in this last uh, election out of Chicago for J.B. Pritzker's pretty much the same percentage that Joe Biden got the same percentage that Obama got, uh, et and so forth. Uh, Hillary Clinton. And yet, uh, it's kind of conservative <laughs> the way it operates. Uh, and, um, I think that's pretty evident. So, uh, I, I just believe that, um, for whatever reason, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, does not want to go into an election year making it look like she's, quote-unquote, coddling lefties, coddling criminals, coddling anybody who listens to the Ben Jarovsky show. And uh, they're, they're heading in a d- different direction. Dave Glowatz.
4: And that's what makes the next clip so interesting, because of the contrast. Uh, Dennis, please, we'll do Tunney next. Next, we'll listen to part of the remarks made before the budget votes by Northside Alderman Tom Tunney of the 44th Ward. A couple of interesting things to note about Tunney. He was selected by Mayor Lori Lightfoot as the chair of the powerful zoning committee, which sort of pegs him as an ally of the mayor. But this year, he had started collecting signatures for nominating petitions to run for mayor in the 2023 election. Then, of course, on November 11, Tony announced that he will not run for mayor. Also, he will not reportedly seek another term as Alderman. Given that perspective, he had a bunch to say about the mayor's 2023 budget. Let's listen.
11: Let me talk about the bonding. So we're asking in addition to the 1.2, to another 1.7, so close to $3 billion. Which really has not been articulated, managed, audited, reflected on a citywide basis. You know, I've asked for projects through the budget chair, and I got a series—maybe about eight to ten of them—without any price tag with them. In fact, half of the half of the projects were, unfortunately, grading of sidewalks into polling places. Now. I have spent 20 years working on sidewalks, and I've seen the same sidewalks being torn up around my schools. Sometimes it's for internet, and sometimes we did it for capital with our schools. And lo and behold, in front of our nettlehorse school, we got a utility to repair the sidewalk, and two weeks later, the sidewalk was torn up because it didn't meet the grade. I tried to tell the inspectors that you got to work with the, with the graders because Utilities are not talking to CDOTs, and our public way department is pretty woefully inadequate. So we're gonna spend more, so three billion without real accountability. And I said before that our debt load in the city of Chicago is not something to be proud of. And so while the original money has not been spent, we've seen inflation, we've seen lack of workers to do the job, and obviously lack of supervision. And I really feel that we need to do the first set of bonding before we go out and spend twice as much more. The second I want to talk about the police department. I think we have a real lack of leadership. It's not the fact that we're spending money. We are spending probably between 2 and $2.5 billion. We are probably spending more per capita than any other city. My residents don't feel safe. They don't feel their money is worth it. And my police officers, morale is at an all-time low. You know it, everybody knows it, whether it's the west side or the south side or the north side. People do not go out at night anymore. You talk to a police officer, and they're waiting until their retirement is ready. They're counting their days. And that is really, in my opinion, a lack of leadership. It's not about the money. It's how we are investing in our police officers, recruiting, no, more importantly, retaining. It's like, come on, folks, we need everybody. But no matter what we're recruiting, we're still down a thousand officers from a couple years ago. I'm not afraid to take a vote to increase taxes, but I demand accountability for the residents that I serve. And they feel shortchanged to say the least. I've been working the streets the last years, but let's say more importantly in the last month, two months, and people are disgusted about their inability to go out and walk their dog or entertain at night. And there's something wrong, it's not the money, and we're increasing the budget again. And you know, ironically, I see the budget, there's 100 or so positions for constitutional policing. But yet, what was it about six weeks ago we fired the head of constitutional policing. I mean, where are our priorities here?
4: I don't know about you, Ben, but this felt like the equivalent of Tony throwing a bomb on his way out. I was really kind of surprised
3: Had, would this speech come before or after he announced he was not running?:
4: uh, it came before.
3: yeah, so this was a mayor's. this is a what he was doing was uh, he. <laughs> he was giving a speech for running for mayor. Uh, That's a a mayoral speech for running for mayor. And it's a mayoral speech running on crime on law and order. Uh, It was
4: just four days before he
3: announced he wasn't running. He could have been making up his mind at the last minute. Uh, if I know Tom Tunney, that's what he was doing. Uh, I remember this is ancient history. Tom Tunney, after Mayor Daly uh, announced he wasn't going to run, the great baby, baby Daly, the one that you all know, listeners, as opposed to the one that I remember uh when when ba- Baby Daly announced he wasn't going to run. What year was that, Dave? What? I I, 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 <laughs> I flipped the switch on him. I asked him a question. You know, I right? might
4: not even been here.
3: You were here. with Baby Daily, not Old Man Daily. We were doing our podcast. 2010. When when he announced when he wasn't going to run again? 2010. Yes. I'll never forget it. He announced it. Then he had a budget hearing at the South Shore Cultural Center. And Tom Tunney showed up at that that budget hearing because guess what? He was letting his name out to run for mayor and replace Baby Daily. And so he showed up at a South Shore Cultural Center hearing. I'd never seen him in South Shore ever. I've been going to those budget hearings for my, for a decade or there was Tom, Tony, what are you no, doing here? All the I day? did not know that. I did. Are you, you and Johnny Carson? Uh, anyway, so that's not like a mayor's speech. Uh, I really think he's exaggerating people. Like uh, there's a lot of people going out at night. I would yeah, Well bullet.
4: you know I, what occurred to me, you know, the, you noticed that little part where he said in the last year and then he corrected himself in the last month or maybe the last couple months, He's been talking to people, and I have a feeling that when he was going around collecting nominating petition signatures, that's when he was starting to get ears full from the locals. Yeah, you know, like live right in, right in his ward. That's a possibility. But what's more striking to me was the first thing he talked about was the bonding. Yes, and that he, he's talked about three billion dollars worth of bonding, and I I pay. Uh, sort of peripheral attention to the bond issuances, and the, because the city does a lots of them, and they are always billions of dollars. And you know, I have I have a list here of the various bond issuances that are going on, and a new one that's coming out. And it's uh, what surprised me is that I hadn't heard anyone else talk about that. Like, that should be that should like in the purview of the finance committee. If there are serious objections of, you know, we're not. We're not making taking enough advantage of this existing bond issuance before we're issuing more bonds. Right. That sounds like a p- pretty significant physical issue that... <laughs> Tony's just like pulling out at the last minute. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it really gave me pause and deserves a deep uh, a deep dive. I think.
3: To that point, I, I'll just remind everybody that Tom Tunney was appointed uh, alderman originally. He was not elected by the people when he first took office. He was appointed by Mayor Richard M. Daly. That's Baby Daly, the Daly you all voted for people. So don't pretend like he had nothing to do with them. He was appointed, uh, appointed by Daly to fill a vacancy created when Bernard Hanson, Dave Glow, that's his favorite alderman, stepped down. Uh, just retired, had enough. <laughs> Typical Chicago move. And so I like Burton better. R- yes. It like bur- I do not recall Tom Tunney ever once voting against a budget proposed by Richard M. Daly, the man who appointed him. And those budgets were filled with so many budgetary gimmicks. I urge everybody to go back and listen to one of... Dave Glowitz and I did countless podcasts analyzing the budget gimmicks of the daily years. All right? Bond issuances, TIF deals, all the games they play with budgets. And I never once... Did Tom Tunney step up to denounce them? Even as we were borrowing money from Peter to pay Paul, as they say. Even as we were shifting millions from this TIF account to that TIF account. Even as we were writing a blank check for the Olympics. A check we could not possibly fill out and afford. Even we were doing all that. Not once did I hear him say. So now, Lori Lightfoot is the mayor. Doesn't have the power that Daly had. Okay, and he's leaving anyway. So now he's Mr. Oh, I care about budgets. And it was an interesting pivot. <laughs> yes, it was an interesting pivot. But just keep your eye on the prize, citizens. You know, Don't act like you just woke up, okay? You've been around for a while. You know what's going on. You know how the game is played. Take it away, hey, Dave. Hey, let's hear from a couple of aldermen who voted
4: for the budget. Okay. And just uh, for those who are keeping score on the appropriations ordinance part of the budget, the uh, vote was 32 to 18 do i have that right yes checking up here i think that's right something like that Mm -hmm. yes um dennis please we'll do stand up next um this next one starts with Northside Alderman Gilbert Viegas of the 37th Ward, and he's followed by Southside Alderman Mike Rodriguez of the 22nd Ward. Let's listen.
2: There's been a lot of discussion in media recently about an independent council. And I think moving forward with the budget, there needs to be more independence. And I long for the day when the city council puts forward its own budget with its priorities and the executive branch puts theirs and then we negotiate. There is a semblance of independence that's brewing in this council. Don't be afraid to embrace it. Stand up. Stand up.
5: Alderman Rodriguez.
2: And this, um... Please proceed. Please proceed. So, uh, I agree. I think we need to work to make sure that our 51st Ward uh, is well represented, and to be quite honest, this budget does not reflect that. This budget does not reflect the Department of Environment that we've been fighting for for a number of years, doesn't bring Chicago home to the extent that we need it to, and it doesn't invest in treatment, not trauma, to the extent that it does need to. This budget, however, does add positions, bilingual positions to the Office of Labor Standards. It includes it includes dollars for reproductive health. And also, most importantly, to my ward, it increases support so that we can bring in new affordable housing, federally qualified health center and other amenities to the 22nd Ward, to the southwest side of Chicago. So it's been a tough, tough decision that I have to make to support this budget. Because I think I have some friends up there who I agree with. And I hope everyone here will be back on November 14th for a hearing on Bring Chicago Home, as I will be. We should have a quorum that day to debate this very important issue, to help bring Chicago home and bring more money, more desperately needed money, for our homeless populations. But when I consider the aforementioned, the the over $200 million pension balloon payment that we'll have, Um, But most importantly, in my local community, my leaders over the last year have spoken very clearly um, that they want more affordable housing, a grocery store for a food desert. Uh, That's included in this budget, and that's why I will be supporting this budget.
4: You might be wondering what's all that noise in the background. is during uh, alderman rodriguez's remarks there were a bunch of activists who were in the mezzanine public area behind the glass window and i don't know why they waited i have a suspicion why they waited for alderman rodriguez to begin speaking but then they began pounding on the glass holding up a poster that said bring chicago home and they began a chant that says, Lori Lightfoot, get out of the way, bring Chicago home today, which they persisted with uh through most most of the alderman's comments. And you notice the alderman referred to those protesters as his friends and how he is in sympathy with them, but he voted for the budget. And perhaps that's why they chose that moment to uh to make the protest. And for the record, the Bring Chicago Home Ordinance is a proposal that's, that some aldermen have been trying to push for a while that would improve the level of affordable housing built uh, on the part of the city by increasing the. What it, it does many things. One of the things it would do that's key is increasing the financial transaction tax on sales of commercial properties that are over a certain value, like very high value commercial properties. And in fact, a special meeting was called for uh, November 14 to consider just that ordinance. And if you would like to hear uh, that chant more clearly, I have another clip. Kevin, uh, Kevin, Dennis, would you play the home clip real quick?
2: Yes, I will, Dan. I mean, Dave. Fred, call me Fred. <laughs> home? Here
8: we go.
4: They were saying, Lori Lightfoot, get out of the way, and bring Chicago home today. So that was recorded up there in the mezzanine.
3: Uh, all right. And I just want to promote a show we're going to be uh, doing tomorrow. Uh, Carlos Muris Rosa and Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez will be coming on the show. We're going to take the deep dive on the Bring Chicago Home mornings, uh, and what that's all about. Uh, so I look forward to that conversation. Uh, and um, you said uh, Mike, Michael Rodriguez was one of the votes, the yes votes that the mayor got, correct?
4: Yeah. And he didn't sound like it for the first half of the screen. <laughs> <marks. laughs> so that's why I thought it was pretty interesting.
3: Yeah, no, it was uh, well done. That was uh, pretty interesting because uh, it you, you got to make that vote. Uh, and there are people one way side or the other who are looking at definitive statement. So it's like, yes or no. It's like I always tease Dave. Yes or no. Take a stand. Uh, and, uh, and the reality is that life is not always that easy to say yes or no. Uh, you There's all kinds of conflicting demands on an older person and the older person may have his own or her his her own uh, notions of what the right thing to do is so i do not try to i do not minimize uh, dave like the difficulty of what they're facing the choices they're facing and the pressures they're feeling and like it's like none of these issues are easy you know um absolutely not so it's a tough job I say that all the time. And I basically, as, as much as I make fun of aldermen, uh, I have to respect them. They, It's a, it's a very tough a job. And it gets harder and harder all the time. But I, I will not stop pointing out the inconsistencies, Tom Tony <laughs> All of a sudden, you believe in transparency. So I don't know. Let me throw, let's close this segment, uh, Dave. Uh, and I'll ask you this You're alderman Dave Glowatz of the 51st Ward. Fictitious ward. I think it, oh, oh, I, I, should, it I
4: should mention there were a couple uh, mentions of the 51st ward, and that yeah. has become uh, part of the narrative of people who are uh, housing challenged. Uh, one estimation is that there are approximately uh, 61 or 62 thousand people who are housing challenged. And the average size uh, that the that the city strives for when it redistricts to get an equal uh, population in all the wards is fifty four, fifty five thousand uh, yeah. uh, people. So the advocates, the housing advocates, have come up with this meme, this um, this narrative, this name of the fifty first ward. Namely, people who don't have an address, and how do they get representation? They're not represented by any alderman.
3: All right, so let me uh, move away from the fifty-first ward. Fifty-second,
4: because fifty-third, uh, uh, we know who the fifty-third ward alderman is.
3: Fifty-third. Yeah. Who's the fifty-third ward alderman? I'm sure you've spoken with him. Uh, I'm sure you're. I'm sure I'm not sure.
4: First name is Joe.
3: Joe, the 53rd alderman. Yeah. Uh, I'm still baffled by this. All right, we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, 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 but anyway, uh, so let's say you you live, I believe you live in the 35th ward. So let's say you're the 35th ward alderman uh, and you have a choice. Do you vote yes or no for the mayor's budget? Go. Uh, don't
4: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's get
1: that's cool,
3: ladies
1: and gentlemen.
4: That's <laughs> yeah, <punk>. that's yeah. <laughs> not only do I not want to answer the question just because you know of my journalists trying to keep the uh my journalism ethics in place, <laughs> um, I, I'm really troubled by some of the things that I've heard uh over this you know the course of these hearings, and uh, especially the like I say, the, those remarks by Tunney around the bonding really yeah. troubled me.
3: Because you think that Chicago's facing uh, enormous debt that we're not recognizing? Is that what you're saying? Uh, or it's hidden. Yeah. I'm and sorry,
4: so the 53rd uh, Ward Alderman is not Joe, it's Ed Bus.
3: Oh, Ed Bus. Okay, that's what's yeah. wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, the comedian. Yeah. Um, so, all right. I thought he was the 51st Ward, but now he's, now he's moved up he's to the 50, 503rd, he'd always third. Always 53rd. He always was 53rd Ward, yeah. Uh, how much you want to bet?
4: I just looked that, it up.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> <Thank God laughs> I didn't make that bet. Uh, so uh, it's a troubling thing. I, I just vote. No, my, my standard line. I'm voting. No, I don't even have to study the budget. Do you guys th- clean up the tips? No, no. no on any budget. Could you imagine? I've already, Could you imagine me getting elected? Alderman? What a trip that would be.
4: Or, or, or come up with something creative at the, uh, the november 7th meeting to defer it yet again there must be some parliamentary <laughs> trick
3: that they could pull out of their sleeve right now raylo and anthony Beale, are pouring <laughs> over the, the run there must be something you know, can do. gosh there darn is it. A, there <laughs> is
4: another meeting scheduled for november 16
3: oh my goodness what a what a city yeah four, we've uh, we've four run four out meetings, of t- and uh, you did a great job, as you always do, uh, Dave Glowatz. So promote Inside Chicago Government. Go ahead.
4: Well, as I said earlier, there are parts of these excerpts that I didn't play, and you can hear those in the extended version of this episode at the Inside Chicago Government website, which is chigov.com. You can find that stuff also on Facebook at facebook.com slash gov. And, of course, follow on Twitter, while it still lives, at C-H-I-G-O-V-T. And I want to thank you again today, Ben, for uh, having this uh, stimulating conversation about the budget and other things. And uh, thanks again to Daddy Dennis. Hope, hope, hope you're getting plenty of sleep, Dennis. Uh,
3: yeah, he's getting a he, he, he's He's got it pretty good with uh, Denise. Denise uh, All right. Thank you very much, Dave Glowatz. And I also want to thank the aforementioned uh, D- Dr. D, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride, of joy of Alton, Illinois. And as uh, Dave will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for diapers. <laughs> Just mix it up every now and then. Give yourself a raise, taking up, petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.